The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello there and welcome to episode 322. I hope that you guys are doing very well wherever you are today. However, if you are struggling with OCD or anxiety, then you can get a free session with me. To get that, all you need to do is to head over to my website, robertjamescoaching.com. There you can book in directly for that free session or if you prefer, you can send me a message and uh, let me know about what you're struggling with. Now, in today's podcast... I speak with Ella Laniado. Ella is an enthusiastic therapist who graduated from Columbia University School of uh, Social Work. She holds licenses as a social worker in Massachusetts, New York and New Jersey. With a focus on children, adolescents, adults and families, she has worked in various settings such as uh, inpatient hospitals, outpatient uh, clinics and schools. Throughout her career, Ella has gained expertise in helping clients with a wide range of challenges, including but not limited to anxiety, depression, OCD, specific phobias, uh, traumas and interpersonal uh, difficulties. In her practice, Ella employs an integrative approach tailored to the unique needs of each client and their family, drawing from modalities such as cognitive behavioural therapy, Uh, dialectical behavior therapy, exposure response prevention, and play therapy, she ensures a comprehensive approach to treatment. She also holds a certification in trauma-focused CBT, which enables her to approach her work with a trauma-informed lens. One of Ella's key focuses is on enabling a safe and trusting relationship with her clients, She believes that building rapport is crucial to the therapeutic process and she brings warmth, creativity and humour to her approach. By collaborating with her clients and incorporating their experiences and insights, Ella is able to support their growth and facilitate healing. Remember, you don't have to face your pain alone. She is here to partner with you on your journey towards meaningful and sustainable change. So in today's conversation, we cover quite a lot of different uh, things. We we focus on the importance of finding uh, the right therapist if you are struggling with uh, with OCD. Um, we discuss um, how important it is as well that you you know that you have empathy and a rapport with your with your therapist. Um, in particular, we're looking at kind of uh, doing exposure work. And obviously, if you're going to be doing exposure work, which can be very hard, if you have a therapist that you trust and that you believe in and that you have that rapport with them, that, that sense that they really are on board with you and they understand what you're going through, I think that can really, really help. And so we, you know, we spend a bit of time discussing that. We also um, talk quite a bit about acceptance commitment therapy, and uh, other things as well. So I think you're going to find it 
um, very, very helpful and, uh, and interesting. Um, she's clearly somebody who's very passionate about her work. So I really hope that, that you guys enjoy. If you have any questions at all um, about anything that I speak about today or we speak about today, do please let me know. And uh, I very much hope you enjoy. If you'd like to find out more about Ella and uh, her, her work, you can follow the links uh, in the show notes. So many thanks and off we go. Hi, Ella. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. That's great. To, it's great to have you on. So uh, maybe to start off with, you could just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, please. Yeah, so I live in New York City. Um, besides my professional identity, uh, I'm a singer and I am very, very creative person, which I think definitely informs my work as a therapist. Um, but yeah, I can. Do you want to know about my professional life too? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, becoming a therapist was kind of a very natural choice for me. It was driven by this kind of deep love for connecting with people that I've carried since I was really young. I always, you know, babysat and worked at camps. Um, and so growing up, I always knew I wanted a job where I could help and support others in a meaningful way. And as I got older, my passion for psychology kind of began to blossom. I was obviously no stranger to anxiety as a child, but I think back then mental health wasn't really talked about. It was a little bit more stigmatized than it is now. It's still stigmatized now, but um, it just wasn't as common as it is today. And so I vividly remember, I think it was the age of 13, I was kind of delving into research about my own symptoms and trying to understand what was happening within me. And the more I learned, the more captivated I became um, just by the intricate workings of the mind and the complexities of the human emotions. Um, and so I just kind of became very passionate about it and thought, oh, this would be, this would be a good career. Um, I would also say that in my journey to becoming a therapist, I definitely owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to my own therapist. She, um, she not only helped me kind of navigate my own struggles, but also showed me just the immense power of empathy, compassion, and understanding that there is in healing, um, and was definitely a huge influence in my life and showed me that I could make a difference in other people's lives. So shout out to Megan. <laughs> I think yeah, that's brilliant when you when you are fortunate enough you know, to to find a therapist, somebody who clearly, you know, had such a positive influence on your life and that you were able to build that very positive connection uh, with them. I imagine that's, uh, you know, you have a lot of gratitude there, it sounds like, and a, a lot of uh, a lot, a lot of positive experiences from 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 that one experience. Yeah, for sure. And I think I, I definitely notice myself now in my work saying things that I remember her saying to me when I was younger um, and just, 
yeah, she really, I don't think I would be where I am today without her. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if you're well, listening. we all, we all need to meet those, those special people in our lives. No, who, you know, and that could be a counselor or a therapist, or it could be, could, could be a friend or it could be a teacher um could be a family member but yeah when we when we meet uh somebody who you know is able to guide us in that positive way it can be so so helpful and so meaningful so um okay and so your own struggles there with with uh anxiety that you were just kind of talking about so am, am i right in thinking that you you've also struggled with with ocd yes you're very correct <laughs> <laughs> i have struggled with ocd um probably my whole life but I wasn't I don't think I was ever fully diagnosed with it until I was older Mm. um which shapes you know the the type of treatment that you're getting which is important Mm. um but yeah I think that is another big influence in my work with clients that have OCD yeah yeah okay and so how do you think that the the having OCD then has influenced your your work as a therapist I think it's profoundly shaped my path as a therapist I think that my connection to OCD has given me kind of this unique perspective in my work as a therapist Um, while I don't disclose my own struggle with OCD to my clients it kind of adds an extra layer of empathy and understanding to my approach Mm. Um, you know I've walked the challenging path that is exposure work. Um, and I know firsthand how difficult it can be to sit with that discomfort and confront those fears and just challenge those relentless thoughts that OCD can bring. Mm. And so I think that's kind of one reason why I, I chose to specialize in OCD. Um, during my, during my undergraduate studies, I took a psychopathology class that kind of less left a, a, a weird taste in my mouth. Um, I remember the instructor mentioning that a strong rapport isn't necessary when conducting exposure work. And I just remember it didn't sit right with me as someone who had gone through exposure work, um, in my view, building a strong rapport with clients is absolutely crucial, especially when you're guiding them through this really vulnerable process of exposing themselves to their deepest fears and discomforts. And so as someone who knew, you know, what that struggle was like, I, I think it um, reinforced this yearning to help others struggling with OCD as well. Yeah. And I do think it's, you know, as you pointed out there, it, it is very important to ha- that you that you do have that strong relationship um, or at the very least that you feel that the therapist is very much on board with you, has some empathy for, for what you're going through, is trying to support you through that. I think if your therapist is, is you know, expecting you to do these horrendous, really difficult exposures and they're kind of standoffish with you and they're not really there in the room emotionally, then, you know, why are you going to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I mean, I also, I never 
start off in the beginning of a relationship with a client. I never start with exposure response prevention because I I don't think that if they don't know you and you don't have that rapport and they don't feel comfortable with you, it's going to be really hard for them to say, oh yeah, okay, I'll just, I'll do this really, really scary thing just because you're saying it. So I, I never start off with that. I always start by just understanding and listening to them and letting them talk about, you know, what's going on, help them feel supported before going into that, because yeah, you, you need, you need to feel comfortable with the person that you're working with to do these really, really hard things. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the hardest treatments out there because you're literally just exposing yourself to your, your deepest fears. Mm. And so, um, I mean, yeah, it, I also think I, I think it's important to meet the client where they're at and where they're feeling ready. Right. I think exposure work, you, you are pushing them, but you're making that hierarchy. So you're not starting off with something that's, you know, feels impossible to them. And so I think meeting them where they're at, taking it kind of one step at a time, not moving on to that next step until they feel ready. I think those little aspects of ERP that I think can often get overlooked are really important because that's what can make the client feel supported, even though you're kind of pushing them to do something that they most likely don't want to be doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so if, if somebody is listening and they're, they're wanting to do ERP uh, and, and they're looking for a therapist to help, them, to help them with that, what should they ideally be looking for in, in an OCD therapist, do you think? Yeah, I think it's important to find someone who really does specialize with OCD um, because I think most of the time, if a therapist is specializing in OCD or ERP, they'll have it in their bio. Mm. Um, there's also a lot of really incredible OCD programs. Um, and luckily, I think a lot of them do take insurance. Well, I'm in this, I'm in the United States, so the healthcare is a mess. I'm sure it's different in Europe. It's a little bit better <laughs> over there. Mm, but um, a little bit. I think there are maybe. <laughs> Depends. The, the UK, not so good these days, I don't think. But uh, oh, yeah, I guess maybe other places in Europe are slightly better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are a lot of programs that do take insurance. Um, and it's, I think finding an OCD program, I think, is a really good idea because a lot of times they also include um, OCD support groups and goal groups, mm. um, which is, I think, really important for OCD because it helps kind of foster that community. Um, and, min and minimize isolation, help you see that you're not alone. And then also just, I think goal groups are really important because you set personal goals for your growth and recovery. And it also just helps remove that shame and stigma associated with OCD and helps us enhance motivation. So I think if there is, there's a lot of programs, there's um, no CD, which is supposed to be an incredible program and I think it's completely virtual um in stride I think is a really good OCD program I, I'm saying things that are in my neck of the woods so I yeah if you're in Europe I don't know. <laughs> you're a listener over there I, I wish I had better advice but I think just you know making sure that that person does specialize in OCD and has that in their bio um because 
if your if your plan is to do exposure work, you want someone that that knows how to do it the right way because I think hmm. um and you want someone that really understands it so that you can feel supported. Sorry, my voice. I just yeah. woke up. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, you sound fine. Um so yeah, I, I think it's interesting. What what if I turn that question on its head and said, what are some warning signs for people, for therapists that perhaps, you know, you you shouldn't work with with OC? <laughs> um I mean, I think this is gonna sound strange, but I think there's when you're doing when you if you're meeting with a therapist and they're telling you or they're reinforcing avoidance behaviors mm. because a lot of time, I mean, if you don't know a lot about OCD and exposure work and you're listening to someone like, I mean, let's say it's a, a fear of um, going on the subway, mm. right? Yeah. The thing about around that. And if you, you, when you're, listening to someone talk about how they're they're so scared of going on the subway because they think that if they go on the subway maybe they'll have to walk through the door multiple times and they'll they'll get stuck going through the door or they'll start counting and you're hearing someone talk about that i mean of course if you if you're 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 not specialized in erp you'd want to say okay yeah let's just don't go on the subway right yeah then you don't have to worry about that you don't have to be anxious about that and of course like i would i want to say that i want say just just don't go there because <laughs> then you won't be anxious but that's yeah, not yeah it's yeah. not plausible right so if if you do have a therapist that is saying that and, and a, this is no hate to any therapist that does say that because I'm sure that when I was younger or when I first started I would be like yeah don't let's let's take a step back let's do some relaxation techniques and and avoid the subway because that's just reinforcing that mm. That yeah. fear right but yeah. if you go on the subway and you see oh i can walk through that door one time and nothing happens that's bad the more you do that the more you trick your brain you trick your brain and it's it's your brain says oh there is no threat i'm okay i can i can do this yeah absolutely um, absolutely you're yeah. proving to yourself again that you can take on that challenge and you can deal with the discomfort of being in that difficult place and the awkward sensations that might come up, you can you can learn again that you can tolerate yeah. and eventually yeah. you can learn how to accept that. Um, yeah, so no, it's very interesting what you're saying there. It's not that the therapist is, is a bad therapist necessarily. It's just that maybe they haven't had the experience, uh, you know, with OCD that, that you mm-hmm. need. And, you know, they don't have that understanding because maybe they haven't had the relevant training in OCD or. Yeah. Um, I also think, oh, sorry. I, I was just gonna say, I also think that a lot of times uh, reassurance seeking behaviors is, is a compulsion that mm. a lot of folks can have with OCD and a lot that's, I think that's the hardest. I mean, I still struggle with that. I'd say even today is giving that reassurance because reassurance seeking could be if I go on the subway and I don't walk through that door five times, will I be okay? Will, will, uh, will something bad happen? And you want, as a therapist, you want to say, 
oh, of course you'll be okay. Of course. But that's, that's, um, kind of giving into that compulsion, right. And, and giving them that reassurance. And so that's another thing that I think is the hardest, hardest thing is to not give them that reassurance and say, you know, I don't know. I don't know what will happen. Right. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well-intentioned, you know, friends and family can very easily be culprits of that. No, where, they are unwittingly reinforcing your 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 negative unhelpful behaviors by, yeah. by feeding the compulsions and giving you that reassurance um that actually you know you you don't need it you quite the opposite in fact um if you get that reassurance unfortunately it's just reinforcing the ocd loop mm-hmm. um you know and so every and every time that happens well it kind of makes it more likely in the future that you're going to repeat that behavior. And, you know, you get into this negative spin, but fortunately we can also by taking positive action and doing the things that we want to do without getting the reassurance, then we can all, we can kind of undo that. Um, yeah. And that's when things start to improve with OCD. Exactly. And also if you are, um, you know, listening and you, you have a loved one struggling with OCD, there's a lot of OCD support groups for friends and family and loved ones that can be immensely helpful um, and talking about how you can support someone with OCD. And they definitely do go into that a little bit. Um, so that's another another thing that you can do if you don't have OCD yourself. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, fantastic. Um, something else that you you focus on um, is uh, acceptance commitment therapy. Um, how do you then combine that with with exposure work? <clears throat> I I don't think that that <laughs> I'm 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 a strong believer in ACT. I think that it's incredibly effective for any type of mental health illness, but with OCD specifically, I think it's really important because it it encourages clients to accept the presence of their obsessive thoughts and uncomfortable feelings without judgment or resistance. Um, and they can kind of learn to <clears throat> view these thoughts as a natural occurrence rather than a threat. Mm-hmm. And it empowers them to sit with that discomfort and sit with the urge without engaging in impulse, impulse compulsive behaviors. Mm. Um, like rather than, rather than trying to stop a distressing intrusive thought from having it, um, you're learning to accept it and say, Oh, hello. Hi, anxious thought. I see you there. Mm. Um, there's an exercise. One of my favorite exercises that I love to teach clients in the beginning of our work together is, um, don't think about chocolate cake. Um, and basically, you know, if I'm sitting here and I say, Hey, try not to think about a really, really chocolatey frosted chocolate cake. It's really gooey. It tastes really good. It has sprinkles on top. Don't think about it. So are you thinking about it? Stop thinking about chocolate cake, right? What are you thinking about? Mm, Yeah. You're thinking about chocolate cake, right? And so the same goes with anxious thoughts. If you're sitting there and you're like, I really hope that I don't think about how I have to go on the subway today. And I hope that I don't 
think about what might happen if I don't walk through the door that many times. And if you're doing that, you're, you're going to be thinking about it, right? It's going, it's inevitable. But instead, if you say, okay, I know I'm going to be thinking about this and that's okay. I can still be thinking about the thing that I'm anxious about and still do the thing that I'm anxious about, right? I can still have that anxious thought and, and still kind of go through with whatever I'm planning on doing. So that's, that's kind of the first thing that I, I like to teach is just that acceptance and then also just diffusion, right? Mm. Diffusion so technique. Yeah. Yeah. Detaching from your anxious thoughts, allowing you to kind of observe the thoughts from a more objective standpoint and reduce mm. that distressing impact. So saying to yourself, I'm having the thought that because I walked under a ladder, my family will die rather than I walked under a ladder, therefore my family is going to die, right? It's detaching that thought from the reality. I know I'm focusing a lot for some reason on magical thinking, obsessive thoughts. There's a lot of different types. I don't know why my examples are all magical thinking today. Um, <laughs> but you're you're saying I'm having the thought that. So it's really detaching that thought from the reality and helping the client see it as just a thought, right? It's, we have so many thoughts coming into our brain all the time. So if you say I'm having the thought that it, it helps detach that thought. Mm, um, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so important. And um, for me too, you know, personally act was such a big part of me learning how to manage OCD effectively. Um, I find the uh, kind of the analogy of what you're kind of talking about just there to be quite helpful. The, um, the, the bus driving analogy, um, I'm sure you've come across that one though. It's uh, where you're, you imagine you're, you're the bus driver and your, your thoughts are kind of unruly passengers who, who are kind of coming on, on, on this particular stop. And, you know, you're frustrated that they're there initially. You're like, Oh, why are these people coming <laughs> on? They're loud, they're obnoxious, they're, they're being annoying. And, you know, and then you realize, okay, well, I've got a job to do here. Um, you know, what's my value right now? Well, my value is to drive this bus safely um, and to do my job. And so I'm going to focus on doing that rather than just sitting here and being angry about the fact that these annoying passengers are on the bus. And so you focus on your job, your values, and lo and behold, two stops time or three stops time, those passengers get off the bus because you know you haven't given them so much energy you haven't got annoyed about them being there um you know and and if you give them that time and space so often these annoying passengers our intrusive thoughts will actually go get off that bus all by themselves <laughs> that's I a really i've be... never said that no Okay. No, but it's really good. I'm going to definitely use that with my clients. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice analogy. I, I think it's um, it's by the author of uh, The Happiness Trap. Um, oh, yes. Okay. Russ, Russ Harris, the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not mine. I uh, borrowed, it, <laughs> borrowed it from him. But yeah, it's, it's a really helpful one. Yeah, no, I really like that. Mm. Um, because yeah, you you can't tell them to get off the bus, right? Because you're you're it's your job. You can't tell them to get off the bus. Yeah. And if you try to get them off the bus, they're not going to get off. 
Yeah. Um, and if you stop yeah. the bus, I mean, what's going to happen? You're going to cause a confrontation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to you're going to stop the bus. You're going to turn around. You're going to start arguing with them. Well, there we go. We know when as soon as we start doing that, we're doing the worst thing we can do. We're giving it all that energy and we're getting yeah. arguing with the thoughts. I mean, it's just rumination, isn't it? It's 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 re- ultimately it's a form of reassurance seeking mm-hmm. where we're trying to persuade ourselves that we're okay. That, you know, these thoughts aren't bad, or that, you know, whereas if we just say, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave those thoughts and I'm just going to focus on what I care about. Um, yeah. For me, yeah, ACT has been so, so helpful. Um, yeah. It is. And also, I think the emphasis on values and um, commitment, I think, mm. can help with the motivation to engage in exposure response prevention, mm. like seeing exposure exercises as a way to live a life that kind of aligns with their values, mm. even in the presence of OCD symptoms, I think is huge. And I often do start with with the values exercises with clients um, because they see, oh, wow, I really do care about doing all of this and ERP can help me kind of live that that life and it's not going to be something that gets in the way of my day-to-day anymore Hmm. and do you find that it's uh it's something that that a lot of people with OCD might struggle with feeling like they need to have the thoughts and their emotions sorted out before they kind of take action or before they focus on their values yeah, I think a lot a lot of times when a client comes to me, they say, when I ask them what their goals are in the intake, they say, I just want my thoughts to to stop and go away. And they I think that they think that that is something that, you know, they're not, I'm doing quotation marks and or you can't see, but <laughs> cured, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, that's, and that's when I say, we're not going to be able to get rid of the thoughts. The thoughts are probably always going to be there. It's about changing your relationship with the thoughts. And that's what ACT and ERP will do. I think the thoughts will most likely always be there. It's about changing the volume of the thoughts mm. and how, how negative your, your mind aligns with the thoughts. Mm. Um, and I think that is something that holds people back is that they think that by going to therapy, you know, they might be able to just get rid of the thoughts altogether. Um, and I think changing the way that you you view the treatment is helpful. Um, and that's why I always say we're, we're changing your relationship with the thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like with I, the I bus agree. analogy. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. tell the client, you can't tell the uh, passengers to get off the bus. Yeah. Right. But you can learn to accept them there and have it not be bothering you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, that, that's a really good point. Um, what do you think, in, in, in your experience, what, what tends to really hold people back? You know, if they are, you know, they're doing the work and they're, they're working with somebody, they're doing ERP, maybe they're doing ACT as well, and they're, Maybe they're making some progress, but they just feel that there's something getting in the way. 
I mean, I think the thing that holds people back is it's important that you're you're doing the exposure work not only in the session, but also kind of all the time. Mm, yeah. um, and I think that can be really understandably really, really challenging. You know, there's I think there's a difference between doing exposure work with a professional therapist versus saying, okay, I'm, you know, I'm alone. I don't have my therapist with me, but I have to do something that feels really scary and I should probably do it. it it's it's easier to avoid it in that instance, right? It's easier to say, I'm not going to do that. I think that is really hard. And I think the other thing that holds people back is the mindset. You know, there's going to be times where you don't expose yourself to something and you do avoid and that's okay. And I think I see a lot of clients being really hard on themselves if they do, you know, have a little bit of improvement and then have a setback, um, they, they get really hard on themselves and it's, it's, um, so I think knowing that even if you have a setback with your exposure work, that's okay. I think it's part of it. Mm. Um, and being kind to yourself, um, yeah. and showing self-compassion for yourself. Cause I think that's, it's not even that it's holding you back from improving. It's holding you back from having that better relationship with yourself, mm. um, which is equally as important. And um, I think it's, it's a misconception that, I mean, healing in general isn't linear, right? And it goes the same with, with ERP, right? You're gonna, you're gonna do really well. And then there's going to be times that it's harder um, and that's okay. And I think, that, um, you know, if we, that's why I think you make that hierarchy for a reason, right? If you're not ready to move on to the next thing, that's okay. We stay on this thing for a while. Um, and so I think the self-compassion piece is the thing that can hold people back. Mm. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Actually, it's, uh, it's one of those areas that still, I mean, increasingly so people are talking about self-compassion now, and that's great. But I still think it's a, an area where we can we can all improve a lot. Now, I think in Western societies, we're not we're not so great at, at self-compassion. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah. OK, so that's yeah, that's interesting that you've uh, pointed that out. I, I really agree with you there. Um, OK. And a tricky, trickle, uh, tricky final question here. If you only had one piece of um, advice that you were going to, to give people who might be struggling with OCD, what would it be? Um, don't fight anxiety, fight avoidance. Mm. Or pursuing... Yeah, pursuing meaning is better for our health than avoiding discomfort. That's fantastic. Those are my yeah, I love that. I guess those were two, but those are. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's absolutely <laughs> spot on though, because yeah, that is the temptation. I'm gonna, I'm going to avoid and feel good, and then I'm better. And it's like, oh, I wish it was that way around, but unfortunately, it's not. Um, no, it's uh, we have to keep as much as we can, even if it's little by little, um, just pushing ourselves a little bit gradually to to lean into that discomfort. And like you say, 
if you can use your values to motivate you, um, it's going to make it that much easier. Yeah. Still hard, yeah. but no, it's... Uh, you'll, you'll notice it getting easier. Like I think ERP is one of those works where you really do notice a change when it starts getting easier, um, which I think is is really great, especially because it's just such hard work. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Ella, thank you so much for your time. If people want to find out more about you, uh, what's your, your website, your Instagram things, things like yeah. that? Yeah. My Instagram is Ella Laniato. I, I mean, I can spell it out. It's E E L L A L A N I A D O L M S W. Um, I am affiliated with Brookline Adult and Child Counseling. So the website is brooklineacc.com. And you can also find me on Psychology Today. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'll put those links uh, in the show notes too. So if people want to, to find you, they can, uh, they can head there. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It was great to uh, talk to you and, you know, educate folks on OCD. I think it's really important. No, it's been great to have you on. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Just a quick reminder that if you want to get a free session, all you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can leave me a message and we can arrange the uh, free session. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional. 